want to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres, and you can follow me on Instagram at, at AskAdamTorres to check out everything I have going on with uh, new books coming out. I have a book, a business leader book coming out early next month, and uh, also keep up with the book tour schedule. Uh, really excited today to have John Wade on the line. He is the CEO of Corporate Culture Consulting, um, and he believes that the corporate and corporate culture is the number one competitive advantage in business and the number one job of leaders to institute a great corporate culture. Um, John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Hey, so I'm really excited to get into corporate culture, uh, what you do, um, what your company does, and how you're helping businesses um, grow. That being said, I'd like to just take a couple steps back, and let's just get started with how did you get started as an entrepreneur? Okay, well, let's, uh, let's do a quick birth canal and highlights that might be interesting to your listeners. I was born in Mexico City of U.S. parents and lived there for about 20 years. Uh, I was Espanol perfectamente and also a little bit of English. And I started my career working for Frito-Lay as a route salesperson in the U.S. and Mexico. And Mexico is a very poor country, so I learned a lot of humility and a lot of work ethic from not only my parents, also from working on, on route trucks in, in real dangerous areas of Mexico City and also some uh, not not so nice areas in the U.S. And uh, then I went on to be a sales rep for Warner Lambert and then got a master's in international business with a specialty in marketing and sales and went and lived in Brazil in Rio de Janeiro and uh, had the chance to work at IBM in finance. I then worked at Frito-Lay and Chateau Saint-Michel Winery, graphic packaging and sales and marketing as a director all the way up to GM. I worked for one of the and then I went to work for uh, one of the top leadership training companies in Europe for six years. And uh, and that's where the journey started and what I do today. Wow, that's unbelievable. I can't even imagine you weren't from if I was if I was writing a memoir I'd be going from you you went from a route truck. I can't even imagine what that's like working in Frito Lay and, and being literally on the truck in Mexico. Um, all the way up until working at IBM and these other huge companies in, in prominent positions. Yeah, that's that's definitely a story right there in itself, John. Um, so I'm I'm curious. So for some of the uh, for some of the listeners uh, right now, maybe they don't. You know, a lot of people that come on here, they may have had let's just say some um, other experiences that were I, I say easier, just quite frankly. So meaning they they grew up in a nice you know, cushy area. They didn't necessarily have to go out there and, like you said, working on a truck. Um, for those type of listeners, I mean, what what was the benefit of having that background? Like, what did it do for you that you can now see in hindsight um, based on those early experiences? Well, well, I was I was lucky. I my my father was uh, an executive for PepsiCo and. Uh, the CEO of, of their division for Latin America, and we grew up in a mansion, quite quite frankly. We had maids and chauffeurs, and uh, my dad said, you know, this you, lived a very, you live a very privileged life, and I don't want you to get too used to this because most people in the world don't have this. So he put us on route trucks when we were eight years old, 
And I remember being in the central market in Mexico and having a 60-pound sack of potatoes uh, put down on me, you know, because Pepsi owns Frito-Lay. So uh, at eight years old, that sack uh, threw me on the ground, and uh, everybody laughed, and, and the guys that do this for a living every day lifted it off of me. And by the end of the day, I was able to, to take a sack back and forth. And uh, it was a proud moment, and that's when I, I felt like I got introduced to what I call the frontliners, and that is the people that do the frontline jobs every single day. And for me, that's my passion is, is paying attention to those frontliners, and that's followed me throughout my career. I've always been uh, on the front lines, paying attention to the front lines, no matter how much I'm separated by title, I've always been with the front line because that's where the money's made and that's where you need to make sure that uh, you're taking care of people. Because it's not, as a leader, you don't work for them. I mean, I'm sorry, they don't work for you, you work for them. And that's a mindset that a lot of leaders have to make. Uh, we don't have enough of that in, in corporations uh, throughout the world. We need to get that mindset of leaders work for the people, not the people work for the leaders. No, I love it. And let's 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 keep going along that line because I know you have a lot more material and I want to get as much of it out of you for the listeners as possible. So also let's include, you know, um what you're doing with corporate culture consulting in that. So let let's expand on what you just said, please. Okay. So so when I was forty I I started working in a in an industry in the leadership uh, and consulting industry for one of the top three leadership companies in Europe. And they specialized in what they call observable human behavior. And that is how we behave every day and that, how that behavior influences in a positive or negative way our interactions with people. So what this company taught us through, through many grueling sessions, we would go over for two-week universities to, to a hotel and show ourselves in for 14 to 16 hours a day and go into meticulous detail about every single part of human behavior from uh, how you say good morning to how you facilitate a meeting, um, from you know making sure you cut your nails and, and your personal grooming is immaculate to everything that could cause influence uh, on somebody else and to try to make that influence as positive as possible. So... And when I was 40, I discovered that that was the love of my life, and I'll do this until I die. So I facilitated about 3,000 groups uh, throughout the last 14 years and uh, worked uh, 20,000 hours <laughs> in facilitating groups of leaders, salespeople, sales executives, uh, managers uh, in topics like leadership, time management, all the way up to what I do now, which is culture. And so when we spoke earlier, you said, uh, you know, corporate culture is the number one competitive advantage in business and the number one job of leaders. Um, can you expand on that? Like, why do you think that is why it's so important? Well, most of the time we, we go from the most rational to the most fuzzy. So we start with the what, then we go to the how, and then we go to the why. And, Probably a lot of your listeners have heard the Simon Sinek uh, talk about start with why. So 
why is corporate culture? It's what you stand for. It's the purpose of your company. It's why you founded the company. If you're an entrepreneur, it's why you founded it. For me, I, I founded corporate culture consulting because I do think it's the, I know it's the number one competitive advantage for businesses, and I also know that it's the number one job of leaders. And unfortunately, leaders today are focusing on strategy. When their strategy doesn't work, they go to structure. And then finally, as, a, as an afterthought, they go to culture. And really, you need to flip it around and start with why, which is culture, then go to your structure, and then go to your strategy. And that's something that unfortunately is not counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive, and it's not natural in our behavior. So you need to make conscious effort to do it. And the, and the companies and leaders that do are tremendously successful. You look at a Chick-fil-A, and they outsell Kentucky Fried Chicken by four times, and they're closed 52 days a year on every Sunday. They still outsell their number one competitor by four times. And how do they do that? Because they're a culture-driven company. They're driven by values, behaviors, and a, pur- a transcendent purpose, which leads to tremendous success. So we estimate that more than 95% of companies can benefit from focusing their leadership and also all their efforts on corporate culture. Wow, that's great. So if somebody's listening to this and they're saying, ah, you know, I haven't really given as much thought in in our corporate culture, or let's say that they're doing it backwards, like what you mentioned, and and the light bulb goes off in their head and like, ah, I need to contact John. What's your website or what's the best way for somebody to get a hold of you? So www.corporateculturesconsulting.com. And what is what would be like a good size? Because I'm just curious. So I know, like, how many how many people in a company or size do you think it's important for a um, you know for a leader to start really considering the culture they're creating? Just because I, I get a lot of um, I mean I work with a lot of startups. I meet a lot of people, and you know, corporate culture is a lot of times on the back burner. And, and, and depending on, and I mean, they might have. 30 employees and they're not necessarily they're still trying to get some other things hammered out let alone um culture what is your how do you know if you started a company you're starting to be successful when how do you know oh it's a good time for me to start refocusing and thinking about culture because this thing is getting big like what's your thought in that that pivotal moment if you if you have one right let me let me share a, a quick story i remember when I got called by a company with 25 people. It's an industrial design firm here in Atlanta where, where we're headquartered. And they said, you know, John, we've lost five people because we're not doing it right. They, they say our culture's terrible, and they, they don't like our leadership style. And I went in and met with them, and I said, what's that costing you? And they said, what do you mean? I said, what did it cost you to lose your five best people? Because that's usually who leaves when they don't like the leaders. And I and they said, $250,000. I said, well, I could charge you that. I'll probably charge you less. I said, you mm-hmm. need to start working on your culture. A year and a half later, they have one of the best cultures for small companies in Atlanta. So, uh, and they're retaining people. They're growing in double digits. Uh, they'll, they'll double in size in the next uh, year or two. Uh, they've doubled their office space. And everybody wants to work there. So, uh, if you're not working at co- corporate culture, if you've got two people, you need to start today. If you've got mm, 450,000 people, you better start yesterday. 
<laughs> last month or 10 years ago, right? <laughs> no, I love it. Well, hey, John, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show and uh, giving me some new perspectives and what I haven't considered. And I'm sure some of the other um, listeners maybe have been possibly caught off guard. I'm not the only one here. Um, but again, thank you for all those tips and insights and sharing them. And to the listeners, thank you as always uh, for listening. You're going to want to listen to this one again because um, John gave you a lot, a lot of information, a lot of jewels of wisdom there. Um, and uh, as always, tune in next time. Thanks, John. Have a wonderful day.